This is episode number 227 on how to write a book with Tucker Max. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. everyone to the podcast. My name is Lewis Howes. Thank you so much for being here. If you are a regular on the School of Greatness podcast listening, then thank you for coming back. And if you're brand new here, then thank you as well for being here. And I hope you stick around and make sure to subscribe to me over on iTunes. We've got an awesome guest today. His name is Tucker Max, and he came on about a year ago. We talked about book marketing, and today we're talking about a couple of things. One, he launched a business a year ago on my podcast and now has done over a million dollars in sales on accident, essentially, from starting his business on the School of Greatness podcast. So it's a pretty interesting case study. We talked for the first few minutes about what happened once he mentioned something he was thinking about doing and how it blew up instantly and made him over a million dollars in the last year from the launching it on the School of Greatness podcast. So that's pretty cool. If you guys want to hear a case study there about what being on the show can do for your business. Uh, And then secondly, we talk about how to write a book. So if you're an entrepreneur, uh, a coach, a speaker, uh, an expert, you're a lawyer, a financial advisor, you've got some type of expertise and you're thinking about writing a book, we talk about the different ways to go about it. We talk about self-publishing it. We talk about doing an ebook. We, We talk about how to find a ghostwriter to help you write the book. We talk about going for a traditional publisher, which takes a couple years, and all the time and money and investment it takes in that. And we cover really how to write a book in a couple of short months with only using a few hours of your time and creating something that can 5 to 10x your business by doing it. And Tucker's developed a system that he, he shares with you on this podcast. He gives you the system that you can do it yourself. And I think it's pretty powerful. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you're thinking about writing a book or if you've ever thought about it, this is the episode for you. And if you have a friend who is an expert and wants to increase their income or their business and their expertise and their authority with a book, then make sure to send them to lewishouse.com slash 227 and share this with your friends online because this is going to be a powerful episode for everyone who's interested. And without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this episode. I'm so excited to share with you on how to write a book to help you 10x your income and your business with the one, the only, Tucker Max. I don't know about you, but when around 3 p.m. hits, I find myself craving the right refreshment to get me through that mid-afternoon slump. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea is full-flavored sweet tea, but without the sugar and the calories. It might take several bottles for you to believe that a delicious sweet tea can really have zero sugar and zero calories. But you know what they say, life is full of surprises. Or in this case, full of flavor. New Pure Leaf Zero Sugar Sweet Iced Tea. Try it to believe it. For 20% off your next 12 pack head to amazon and use promo code 20 pure leaf that's promo code 20 p-u-r-e-l-e-a-f for 20 percent off take your business further with the smart and flexible american express business gold card it offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Okay, quick math. The less your business depends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep, obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash greatness. netsuite.com slash greatness. Again, head to netsuite.com slash greatness. Welcome everyone back to the School of Greatness podcast. Very excited about our guest today. He's a good friend. He's been on the show once or twice at least. Once. It's once. Okay. Yeah. No, actually you've been on twice. Oh yeah. We, that's right. We you split the, it into two episodes. Double episodes. So yes. welcome. Welcome Tucker Max to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, I'm happy to be back, Lewis. Yeah, man. This is episode the third time. So the last time we did uh, one about kind of your journey from your writing days um, with the books that you did and also just your lifestyle from now, you know, yep. not being in that lifestyle anymore with all the craziness that you did with the, the late nights, the drinking, the ladies and all that. We talked about why you stopped it all, the change yep. maker. And then we did another one on how to write and market a book and become a bestseller because you've written two uh, – we've had three books on the New York Times bestseller list at the yep. same time, right? Yep. And only like two other people in the history of the world have ever done that or something. For nonfiction, yeah. Me, Malcolm Gladwell, and Michael Lewis. So you've got a lot of experience in writing books. You've got – you know, how many books total have you written now? Uh, well, so counting the, the, the book that we just did for Book in a Box, it's five. Five books that you've done. Mm-hmm. And three were New York Times bestsellers, right? Yeah. Well, it, the, the, yes. Uh, one of them was not released. It was like sort of a free ebook, so like mm. you know, it can't, couldn't be. And then Book in a Box, uh, the Book in a Box book is was a number one Amazon bestseller, but not like we didn't put it in bookstores. So nice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. And um, how many books would you say you've sold for your own titles? Three million. Three million books. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. What do you I think know. was? What do you think is the key? To selling millions of copies of your books, uh, dude. I tell every author the same thing. You want to sell a lot of books, you have to write a book that people want to read. Right. Plain and simple. That's it. Like everything else is details. Yeah. If it's a crappy book, then no one, no one, no one's gonna want to read it. So you have to read a book. You have to write a book that other people care about, that helps them in some way, shape, or form, that brings value to them. Because why else would they spend money on something? Yeah. It's almost like you don't need to have. You know, a lot of people focus on this marketing plan, but it's almost like. I think of guys like Robert Greene. He has like zero marketing plan for all of his books, and they just sell millions of copies because they're amazing books and they're done really well. Wouldn't you agree? Yep, definitely. 
but he's not like this marketing guru or has some big launch. He's just like, okay, it's out, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, that's uh, actually uh, Ryan uh, Holiday and I did the marketing for Mastery yeah. uh, for him. And, and it was like very casual. It was like, okay, like uh, I mean, we, we did some stuff, but it was mainly just doing stuff with people like, uh, you know, like people like you or whatever, where yeah. it's like, hey, I'm going to go on your show. I'm going to talk about what I do, what my right. book is, and then people buy it or they don't. And then more people buy it because everyone that buys it reads it, loves it, and tells their friends. Exactly. That's it. So that's really the secret is write a great book and the rest is details. Um, but we decided to bring you back on because you told me it was like a week or two ago. So we did this we did this episode, episode 78, where you were like, hey, we're, we're thinking about doing this thing where we yes. help authors write their books and market yes. it for them yes. and you know help them get – the traction and sell thousands of copies and become experts and have better authority. And the struggle is we get so many authors that reach out to me that ask for advice and they never write books or it takes them three years and they go back and forth with publishers. They don't know what to do. And so you decided to launch this thing called book in a box. Yep. And, um, we launched it on your podcast. It wasn't even a confirmed idea. It was, it was like an opt-in, we right? It was like hey, we were testing. Like we were <laughs> testing one person at the time, and we weren't sure it works. And then I went on your podcast, and I remember, dude. I remember how it happened. I think what happened was you were talking about writing your book and like how you're dyslexic, so it's so yes. hard for you. And so I'm like, hey, I'm doing this interesting thing. And we talked about it for like 20 minutes, and that was it. And then the Lewis Howes effect happened, and your <laughs> podcast went up. And we got like six clients off of your podcast. And we were, this is like, you know, ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 package. Like we, what we're yes. doing is expensive, but it works and it's amazing. And it, I, like I turned to that. Actually, you know what happened, dude? Here's what happened. So I went on your podcast on like a Tuesday and then, you know, it, it, it doesn't go up for like a week or something or right. two weeks. Right. And so the next day I got an email, uh, uh Zach and I got an email, uh, like a book of box was in the sort of subject. And it's like, hey, like, I, can I do this? How do I do this? Where do I sign up? And I turned to Zach. I'm like, I don't understand. This podcast isn't even out. And, and Zach, like, emailed the guy back. It turns out it was your podcast editor. Oh, wow. It was the guy. That's I don't hilarious. Even know this. The editor of your podcast reached out to us to ask us about the service. And I, turned, I remember I turned to Zach and I was like, dude, I think we're on to something. We need to get a, a landing page up really quick. Uh, because Lewis has a big audience and let's see what happens. And so your podcast came out and then we were like, I mean, it, it was crazy. We probably had uh, 30 or 40 real leads. And if we'd had a professional site and a real sales process, we probably would have closed half of those. Right. But as it was, we closed like six of them. And uh, like uh, the, some of those people have their books out. Lucas Carlson has his book out. Um, who, there's a couple of others. Uh, um that, that I'll think of their names in a minute, but like, uh, and so after that, it was like a hectic two weeks. And I, I turned, <laughs> you're like, all these people want books and we have no game plan. <laughs> right. I mean, like, well, we, uh, we knew, uh, let's see, let me look, I'm looking at Nick DiNardo. Uh, we found from your podcast, uh -huh. Brandon Hampton, who's blowing up now. His yep. company is Cole Hatter. Who's, uh, yep. he's got a big conference coming. Uh, We're both speaking at, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I'm speaking at it too, right. So all these, like that conference exists because of your podcast, dude. It's the Lewis <laughs> Howes effect. And so all these people came to us. And, uh, and so we had it, we were like, all right, uh, we've tested the process once. We think it's working. 
And so we, we actually charged – those people all paid way less than, than we're charging now. And, um, and, and we started working through it, and then it's like so quickly I'm like, Zach, this is a real company. We've got to stop everything else we're doing, and this needs to be our pure focus. And he fought me on it for like two weeks, and then it, he was like, yeah, you're right. Everything else is a waste of time. And so we focused and focused and like built this up, and now as one year later – like you, the podcast, my podcast with you launched like sometime in August. One year later, we've done $1.4 million in sales. Wow. We have eight employees. We're about to hire two more. And we're on a growth path to hit $3 million this year. And realistically, I don't even know. I mean, they'd be made up numbers, but somewhere between five and $15 million next year. Wow. That's Lewis Howes, baby. <laughs> Lewis Howes creating jobs for America. <laughs> I love it. It should have been me at the VMAs instead of Kanye up there talking. I, I know. Seriously. Uh, at least it made sense. This is fascinating because you and Zach, you know, you were telling me he's just like, uh, you know, a really smart side hustler. And he came to you and he was like, hey, I just want to put something together. Let's figure out some ideas of how we can run a businesses together. Yep. And we, did you have a bunch of other ideas around that time or what were you yeah, guys doing? Yeah, we were doing we're, – essentially we were doing a lot of consult. Like I, I had my publishing company and I did a lot of consulting stuff. Like I helped James uh, Altucher do all of his publishing stuff. Yep. And, uh, you know, like I helped Ryan Holiday start his book marketing company and I yep. helped, you know, like all this sort of stuff, right? So – uh, but it was mostly just stuff I liked doing. It was fun. It was essentially just consulting. And um, so I was doing some of those things with Zach. And we were starting to sort of productize some of it. But like none of it honestly was that innovative. And none of it was sure. honestly that exciting. It was just like it was better than what most people were doing. But it was still sort of the same thing. Right. And it wasn't until we really kind of stumbled upon this new way to take someone's knowledge and wisdom and turn it into a book that we realized – uh, we had something. And that to me, that here's the thing. You know you have a company when you have product market fit before you're even officially selling it. You know? <laughs> when you pre when you pre-sell it before you can right. actually deliver it. Yes. Exactly. I mean, well that's that's the definition of like lean startup methods yeah. and like Steve Blank stuff and, and Eric Reese and all those people like test it out. And I I didn't go on your podcast intentionally thinking, all right, we're gonna test this company out. I literally just floated the idea because it came up in conversation. Yeah. And we were so blown down by the demand. Yeah, we, like, we were talking about, you know, how you marketed your book and how you, you know, did all this and wrote great, write, how to write a great book. And then you were just like, you know, we're trying this out. If anyone wants to try it, you know, send us an email or something. Yeah. And it went from there. It was insane. Yeah, it was nuts. And so what I mean, tell me about the evolution of Book in a Box since then. I mean, you, you know, the pricing has changed. You have a streamlined process now. Like, what can someone expect with this right. process and and who is it specifically for? Because, you know, there's lots of experts and entrepreneurs who are listening that probably want to write a book yeah. and that maybe they're thinking an ebook process. Maybe they're thinking a publisher. They don't even know what to do. So first off, actually, let's, let's maybe talk about who should write a book. What are the different processes people can write a book, whether they work with you or they do their own thing? What do you think is the best solution for people based on their goals? Right. Excellent. Okay. Good questions. Who should write a book? Uh, I, I think it, right now the best people to write books um, it, are generally speaking people who can in some way, shape, or form indirectly ROI a book, like you know, get a return on investment, right? And so that breaks down to, let's see, consultants very clearly. If you're a consultant in any sort of field, whether it's fashion consulting or financial consulting or whatever, how do you separate yourself from the herd? Well, like if you're really good at your job and you know a bunch of stuff, that that's great. But how does anyone know? 
And a, a really great way to show the world and to show potential clients that you are the person they want to hire is to be the guy or the girl who wrote the book on your subject, mm-hmm. right? And so uh, every consultant, that's probably 10 to 20% of our current clients are consultants. And every single one that's put a book out has seen their business double or triple or even do more. Um, and it's not because... I mean, if you do a good book, it's almost inevitable that you're going to see your business go up as a consultant, right? So that's one one big one. The next one is before you go into the next one, I'm curious. um, What if your book doesn't sell? What if you do a book and it doesn't sell? Is it still worth doing a book? So our very first client, Melissa Gonzalez, she is uh, she owns a pop up. She she's like one of the people who kind of invented pop up retail or really kind of modernized it, Mm -hmm. and she has a pop up uh, retail consulting firm. And she has sold, I think, less than a thousand copies. Her book was the first book we did. She's the woman. Uh, I think I told the story in the last podcast. Like she asked me how to write a book without writing it. And like I made fun of her. And then she like, she's like, she's like, are you an entrepreneur? I'm like, yeah. She's like, well, so am I. And my job is to help people solve problems. Do you help them solve problems or do you just lecture them about hard work? And I was like, oh, and it was like that call out that led to me to kind of develop the book in a box process. And it was for her. She sold less than a thousand copies of her book. And so far she has tripled. I, I, we just talked to her. She's tripled her business year over year. Uh, the book came out in November of last year, tripled her business already. She signed two multi-million dollar contracts, like big ones with, um, some of the biggest retailers in the country, like Macy's or Nordstrom's or I don't know exactly who it is, but it's someone like that. And she's now, she was, one of the best people, and but now everyone knows she's the best, and she's right. keynoting three conferences about retail because she wrote the book on pop-up retail, Smart. but only a thousand copies sold. So you don't necessarily need to sell tens of thousands of copies or if, millions. Well, if like you're in you. a niche, yeah, exactly. Right. If you're in a niche, then then how many people actually care about your topic? Probably not a lot. Right. But that's fine if you're a consultant because you don't make your money on the book sales. You make your money on the influence that the book yeah. uh, creates and that the perception it creates. And then also people – a lot of people are going to read your, the book and say, I need to hire this person. Get me – Melissa told us the story. She's like, there was two big things that happened because of the book. Uh, when she was speaking at conferences now on panels, she said before – like, you know, retail, you think it's a very female business, but she said it's actually at the highest level, still kind of sexist and old school male. And she's like, after she wrote the book, like men would shut up when she was talking on panels before they would like talk over her and be like, oh, you know, what do you know, little girl? And Ooh. because she's the, no, seriously, that was that she said that was their attitude. And now it, they're like, um, they like bow to her because she's they, the they treat her as an authority because she is right. Wow. And then the other, the other big thing is, People, exec, high level retail executives will say, like, they won't say, get me a pop up retail consultant. They'll say, get us, get me Melissa Gonzalez. Wow. I want, I want the, I want the woman that wrote the book. Mm. That's, and, and that's actually one of those weird things you don't think about. Um, but the number one sort of, you know what the number, number one search engine is Google. Number two is YouTube. Number three is actually Amazon. Mm-hmm. And it's the number one search engine for professionals. Because think if I need if I want the best wealth manager in the world, I don't know. You can't Google best wealth manager in the world and get an answer. It's going to be nonsense, right? But sure. if I go to Amazon and I Google wealth managing books, I'm going to look at the authors and like the top ten books. Who has their wealth management firm? That's interesting. I didn't yep. know that Amazon was the third biggest. That's great. It is. Okay. Yep. So for wealth managers. So all right. So that's consultants. Then speakers yep. too. 
for like pretty obvious reasons that like the people who book speakers want them to have books because that's a status signal. It's a signal of credibility and authority. And then also it gives speakers something to sell uh, at their speeches. Um, but, you know, it's pretty clear. Um, a big one, a big, big, big one is sort of uh, uh, so entrepreneurs and business owners. Uh, books are incredible for generating leads. So, for example, we do a huge number of books for wealth managers and estate lawyers because, uh, yeah, no, seriously, both of those uh, occupations, uh, they have weird laws about how they're allowed to promote themselves, right? Like, like estate lawyers can't give referrals fees to anybody, right? And so, like, they basically have to, like, get wealth managers to recommend – they have to develop relationships. Well, instead of giving them business cards – to give to their clients, they give, we have, we have a bunch of estate lawyers who wrote books. And then now the wealth managers give the book to their client and say, this is who I recommend the guy who wrote the book on estate plan (laughs) instead of just an estate planner. Right. And so same with wealth managers. Like if you're, uh, we have a couple that have some pretty novel, cool strategies. So they write a book about their strategy, which gives it away sort of, except if you have a lot of money, you don't want to read this book and learn how to implement their strategies you want you read it you're like this is genius and then you're like here take my money just go deal with it right you know so sure. like those are a couple of examples business owners uh, uh entrepreneurs and then also c-level executives we see a lot of not just ceos but like cmos or ctos or cios who like want to raise their status and credibility and maybe like be sort of positioned for a higher c-level job mm-hmm. like that's a great way to do it Amazing. I love this. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of potential. I mean, most of my audience is, is entrepreneurs or people that are interested in building businesses and, and taking their life to the next level, right. people who have an expertise. So, you know, anyone in that, this is, you're talking about nonfiction. You're not talking about people of course. writing novels. Yeah. No, we only do nonfiction. If you want to write fiction, that's awesome, but good luck. You can't use us. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Now, now what's the normal, you know, what route do you think is the best route for people today to take? In writing a book, should they self-publish? Should they find a big publisher and try to get a big advance? Should they so yeah? Ebook. There's, there's two reasons to use a big publisher, right? Uh, if you have a big platform, like someone like you, uh, Lewis, actually, like we talked about this. You you called yeah. me and we talked about this when you were thinking about doing your book. I actually recommended that you not self-publish. I recommended. I told you you should go try and get an advance because right. you're the type of person who can get a five hundred thousand or million dollar or more advance because you have a massive audience. Yeah. So every traditional publisher, essentially, to sign someone, you have to have an audience, right? Uh, so if you have a big audience, uh, or if you uh, you want to use your book. Uh, to get a lot of mainstream media attention. Like you want to be in the New York Times and you want to be in the New Yorker and you want to be in like Newsweek or whatever, then no one in America cares who publishes your book. They care what's in the book anymore, except the people in media. So like the New York Times, if you're self-published, you're going to have to do a ton of stuff for them to cover your book. But if the same exact book, if Simon & Schuster publishes it, then they'll take it seriously and potentially do a story about it. Sure. So those are the two re- – if, if you have a big platform, uh, you can get them to write you a big check, which for some people is worth it. For other people, it's not. Or if you have the ability uh, and the sort of um, need to generate a lot of mainstream media attention, those are the two reasons to go traditional publishing. Everyone else probably should do some form of self 
One of my favorite parts about my job is that I get the opportunity to travel a lot. And in fact, I'm recording this right now while I'm in Mexico. And actually, I was thinking about something that I wanted to share because I get a lot of questions from so many people about different side hustle ideas. So here's one for those of you out there that are on the go a lot like I am or traveling a lot. When you're staying in your Airbnb on your trips, have you ever thought about how you could be making extra money by hosting through Airbnb while your home is vacant? If you're interested in an extra stream of income, Airbnb hosting is an easy place to start and it's like giving your home some company while you're away. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So listen, we all know life is full of yada yada, like those quote unquote free trials that somehow still charge your card for something or when companies have those sneaky gotchas hiding deep in the fine print. And I know you've dealt with yada yada before, like those bills that keep going up and up for no reason at all. Or when budget airlines promise a cheap fare, but then charge you for every little thing until you realize you're paying more than you would have somewhere else. And yes, it is possible to outsmart yada yada, like triple checking airline deals to make sure all you need is all already included, but you don't take yada yada in life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and nada yada yada. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. When you get a new car or a new home, your first reaction might be to say things like, oh yeah, or I can't believe it, or booyah. But what you really want to say is the one thing that can get you the help you need. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm is there with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. With a State Farm agent, you know someone is there to help you choose the coverage you need. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits for you. And when you need ways to get help, State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So whether it be ebook format or just self-publish it uh, into a paperback and, and it's mm -hmm. probably not going to be in Barnes & Noble or anything, but you're going to have a book that you can sell online, exactly. or buy your own copies exactly. and sell them at events. Mm -hmm. Or or people can find you, man. It's like I'm telling you, it's it's crazy how much our authors will sell so few copies, but they get what they actually want for their book to get for them. You know, yeah, they get they get the consulting gigs, they get the five to ten clients that brings in way more money. They get the speaking, they get whatever. They get new leads for their business. They get yeah. joint ventures. They get invited to speak at things. People look at them and treat them differently mm -hmm. because they wrote a book. It doesn't matter if it's self-published. What actually matters, though, is does it look professionally published? Uh. That's the difference. So if you write a book that looks self-published, like it's got some janky clip art cover, you know, and it's <laughs> like yeah, four pages long and the first sentence is misspelled, yeah. then it's like people are like, ugh, this is ghetto. But if your book looks amazing and feels amazing and is laid out beautifully and is a cool cover, no one looks at who the publisher is. They're like, oh, man, they think because your book looks good, automatically your credibility and status is raised. And then if the book actually is good, if you have good ideas in it, then it's like you're off to the races. Yeah, that's powerful. Uh, the challenge is, you know, going with a big publisher, you know, I'm with a big publisher with Dale. And to be honest, they've been incredible. Like I, I went into the expectation of thinking they're not going to do anything for me because every author friend of mine says that their yeah. publishers sucked. 
And so I went into it thinking, I'm going to do everything myself. I'm going to design the cover. I'm going to be doing the tour, the book launch. Like Everything's going to be on me, the publicist. But they've been going above and beyond. And because I went in with that ex- expectation, they weren't going to give me anything. It's They've blown my mind. Like, you know, yeah, right. You've so been super press. happy with them. Yeah. I'm so pleased with them. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's been some little things back and forth that you know we disagreed on. But at the end of the day, it's... It's un- it's been unbelievable their support and uh, I'm so you, grateful. For you that. know why they're throwing a lot of weight behind you though, don't you? Because I'm throwing a lot of weight behind it too, and they think it's well, right. a big home run. Exactly because yeah. you have a big platform, and because they see you putting so much effort into not just the creation of the book, but the marketing of the book. Yes. And so they're doubling down on their winners. So they probably signed whatever seven or ten authors this quarter, and three of them they've already given up on, and right. then another four they're doing like like or five they're doing minimal work for, and then there's two they're devoting all their resources to, and it's you and whoever else the other person is. Yeah, yeah. exactly. They said. I'm the big one for the fall, so um, you know we'll, we'll see how it goes. The I'm telling you, the, the, and look, put, your next book is a Lewis Howes effect, man. It's coming, dude. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The the challenge is, you know, I put together. It took a, you know, going traditional. Here's the challenges. It's been great because I've got a big vision and a, a long term vision with it. But the challenge is, it was a year of writing a proposal and yep. putting together a marketing plan and writing the first chapter and outlining the whole thing. And I worked with uh, my agent with that. And I worked with a writer to help me really craft my ideas better. So that took, you know, 10 grand in 10 months to put together this proposal that I went back and forth on and did all these interviews and things. It took time. It took 10 months. It was effort. I remember, man. I remember going through it. Yeah. Then, uh, you know, I I get the deal. I sign the advance. uh, And I got to write the book now. And that took another essentially eight to 10 months as well of, of time and money and hiring editors and hiring people to help craft certain things and flesh it out. So all in all, it's been 50 grand just to write the book Mm -hmm. and with all the people involved, um, and all that different thing happened and all that happening. It's been a lot of work, a lot of time and energy. I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with the journey and the process. It's what I wanted, but for most people, they don't want to spend two years and 50 grand to no. get a book written. And for and, most people, it doesn't make sense either. Exactly. Because here's the thing. You're like the perfect person to go traditional because you have a big platform and because this book is going to be sort of like your coming out party yes. for the mainstream media. You know, like, dude, I've known you're, you're awesome for like six, seven years, right? <laughs> and your audience is known for, you know, whatever. How, how long has your podcast been around now? Two and a half, three been, years? Yeah. Three years in January, yeah. Right, three years. So, so for three years, you've had an audience, and people get it, right? But like, n- n- the mainstream media doesn't know who you are yet, and, right. and they need something that they understand to like sort of justify to them the reason that they're covering you, mm-hmm. and it's going to be your book, even though like you're gonna you're gonna be one of those overnight successes that took ten years, just like all of us. Like they're, they're going to discover you, and you'll become the hot sort of interview. Uh, in the fall when your book comes out and it'll be like, oh, Lewis Howes and this and that and th- and all that sort of stuff. And your phone will be blowing up and everyone's going to want their piece of Lewis Howes uh, in the mainstream. But like all your fans will be like, I knew about this fucking dude for three years. What's wrong with you? Dude? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Just, you better keep returning my texts, dude. <laughs> of course. I, when I was big, I returned your text. Now you're about to get big. You got to return mine. Of course. Of course. Um, okay. So that's the traditional route. 
And again, that's only for a certain amount of people. That's for people that have a bigger audience, bigger brand, right. that and really want to make a big splash. that, right? For most, right. if you're a, if you own a small business or you're a consultant or whatever, like you wouldn't be able to even utilize all that attention. You probably couldn't get it, and even if you got it, you wouldn't. There's no way for you to utilize all that. Exactly, it'd exactly. be a waste. Exactly. And if you didn't have like a long-term vision of, you know, other products and courses or how it was going to uh, enter in your back-end funnel and things like that, it probably wouldn't make sense. Nope. Exactly. Um, and so on the other side of the spectrum, we've got the big advanced, big publisher spectrum, which, you know, takes a couple of years and however much money it takes and time and energy. Then you've got – and you you may not get a good, great publisher. You know, Rodale has been great for me, but you may be – uh, you know, entering a war zone with a publisher yep. who's just going to yep. kill your ideas and put a horrible cover on and not do any marketing. Yep. So you may get that. That's the challenge, and that's the risk you take. Now, on yep. the other end of the spectrum, I've you know written a couple ebooks, and I know a lot of marketers online who write ebooks. And sometimes you can make a lot of money with that, but really, there's not much credibility when it's this like thirty, forty page ebook. You're not getting the credibility for the clients and the higher end consulting that you want. As yep. an entrepreneur, and you've seen that as well. I mean, you've probably oh, yeah. read ebooks, right? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, no. So, like, uh, ebooks e are great if you want to be in the direct sales internet yes. marketing business, and you you want to sell forty dollars, fifty dollars, sixty dollars ebooks, and you create like a scarcity fear model, yes. and you do that, then that's fine. Uh, or you're selling something very specific that's very valuable, like. Like, uh, I, I, like, what's a, a great example? How to invest in gold, or I don't know, yes. whatever, whatever nonsense those people sell, right? <laughs> uh, right. But it, you can make a lot of money doing ebooks like that if you absolutely really do that model. Absolutely, yeah. but um, ebooks are considered down market and low status yes. for a reason because most people who dabble in that space are that's who they are. You know, yeah. uh, if if you're a serious professional and if you uh, have real knowledge and wisdom in your head that you think other people will find valuable then doing a professionally published book, whether it's self or traditional is the way to go. Yeah. And you know, obviously I'm going to have the Kindle ebook version of my book available on Kindle and all these other places and iBooks and stuff. Uh, we're not talking about that. We're talking about if it's just an ebook, and right. it's not traditional it, as well. So. It, right. If you're not selling it on Amazon or it's not through a publisher, it's just this PDF that you're selling through a landing page. That's what you're talking about. Right. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So then the third option, which is this kind of the sweet spot, you've helped solve this problem that your first client said you, you needed to do. Melissa Gonzalez said you needed to create is really how can you serve the people in the middle who do have great information, who do have gifts to, to offer to the world that have great businesses, but just are trying to get to that next level. Again, on the school of greatness, I'm trying to teach people always how to get to the next level. In their yeah, life, speaking their of, hold on. Do you have diplomas for your school of greatness? Because I feel like I should get an honorary degree. <laughs> you should. Well, you're a professor, man. Well, dude, I built a, a seven-figure business because of my time in the school of greatness on the podcast. That's it. You're a professor and you're right. a student. I will be a professor and a student at the school of greatness. <laughs> I love it. I'll teach classes and then I'll sit in on other classes. There you go. I mean, you're making multiple million dollars of a business. So, I mean, I'll take it, man. I'll take it as a great case study. So, um, but that's really, you know, the sweet spot. A lot of people here or who are listening are in that kind of sweet spot. They've got a great expertise. Mm -hmm. um, you know, some people who are listening have huge platforms, but a lot of people have great expertise. They've got six, seven-figure business running, and they're trying to get to that next level. 
but they don't want to do a crappy little ebook. They don't have the time or the platform to do the traditional book, which takes years and a lot of money. Yep. But they want to write a book. And whether they use you, you know, there's, you're not the only service. There's other services out there. But whether they use you or not, um, what's the process for them doing it themselves? Right. What would so that be? there's no one that does what we do, I don't think, or at least not the level we do. But there are definitely other services that can help you along the process. So, so the, the basic steps are, are very simple. Um, we actually released a book about our method, but there's a lot of books out there that are about what, sort of what to do. But it's, it's very simple. You have to understand. So I'll tell you exactly how we do it. We help, first, you need to understand what kind of book you're writing, right? So to do that, you need to understand why you're writing a book. So you need to sit down and think, okay. And if you say, oh, I want to be a bestseller and sell a bunch of copies, that's nonsense. That's not a realistic goal for someone who, uh, unless there's someone like you who has a big platform and that kind of stuff, right? You're looking at a book as a means to another end, right? And so you need to know specifically what it is. If you want to be able to speak at conferences, okay, that's a, that's a goal. If you want to, uh, you know, increase the number and quality of clients, that's a goal. Things like that. So you need to know what is your goal. Why am I writing this book? It, sharing your wisdom with the world is, is part of it, right? But that's not actually the goal. That's the result of what you do. The, you need to know why, what you're hoping and expecting to get from this book, right? So once you understand that, what's your goal? What, what, what's the expected result? The next thing you have to understand is who, what audience do I have to reach to achieve that goal? So if you want to be booked to speak at conferences, then the audience you need to reach are the people who book speakers at conferences and the people who go to those conferences, right? Nice. Or if, if you want to book consulting clients in the fashion industry, then it's the decision makers at fashion companies. That's your audience. And like people always want to say, oh, my audience is everybody or all <laughs> women. That's not an audience. Not even the Bible's audience is everybody. Okay. Right. Right. Seriously, the, like, uh, there's a lot of Hindus don't read the Bible. Like, there's plenty of people who don't care about the Bible. So it's like the best selling book of all time doesn't fit that. Neither is yours. So you need to be very specific. So you got your goal. You got your audience. Now you need to ask yourself, what do I know that that audience will find valuable? Because that's what need, your book needs to be about. Mm. Right. The book needs to be about other people, not about you for it to be successful for you. You've gotta, you've gotta write. We talked about this at the very beginning, right? Like, what makes a book successful? And I said it. Uh, I said, you write a book that other people find valuable. Like, I wrote in my original books were entertainment books, right? People bought them to laugh, yes. and they made people laugh, and so I sold millions. If you want to um, to become, you know, to be established as a as a high level uh, financial consultant, then you need to write a book that has information that people uh, who are looking for financial consultants will find valuable. That and really once it serves you, them in a high way, in a big yes, way, that gives yes. them results. Yes. What what you the problem you see with so many authors and even high profile authors is that they write books uh, that they want to write that are about them. Ultimately, they just write like bragging nonsense, right? Or right. look at how smart I am. Look at how fancy I am. And you'll see these really famous, uh, noteworthy intellectuals or whatever come out with these books that flop and go nowhere. And that's why is because the book wasn't about their audience. They didn't, they weren't creating value for other people. They were just celebrating themselves. Those books go nowhere. But right. I, I know for a fact your audience is, is um, covered in these people because we, we served them as clients. They were our first set of right, clients. Right, right. You have a bunch of people in your audience who are really smart, who are really accomplished, who know things that are valuable to other people and that want to share those things with the world. Well, uh, like 
that's the way you do it right there. That's the process. Whether you pay us and then you just can do it over the phone or you do it yourself, that's where you need to start is what's my goal? Who's uh, my audience to reach that goal? And then what do, what do I know that need that that audience will find valuable? Because that's the book. So let's let's talk about, you know, I, I kind of heard about the planning process right there and kind of figuring out your ideas and the goals and who you're reaching and that audience. What's the actual, if someone's going to do it on their own, if they want to write a book on their own, what is the next step for them in doing it in, again, not the traditional way and not the ebook way, but self-publishing, mm-hmm. having a nice paperback book? So then you got to sit down. That's, a, that's called the book positioning. So once you go through that exercise, you, you're going to have a really good idea of you know who your audience is. You know what you're going to write about. So now uh, traditionally, listen, you can just sit down and start banging out on, on a keyboard. That's <laughs> It sucks though. It's really hard. Is there a good um, format or an outline that you give to people or that you would? Yeah. So, so it's actually on their own. Yes. So, uh, my our book is for the company. We, we created a book uh, called the Book in a Box Method, um, and it's literally our exact process with all the templates wow. and 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 docs exactly that we give to our freelancers and that we use. So, uh, there's a lot of books about outlining that you can look at. That's just one of them. But we have very clear templates for outlining. And I would recommend doing an outline first. And here's why. If you don't do an outline first, then you better hope that you have an incredibly organized mind naturally, (laughs) which like five people on earth have. Because if you don't do an outline first, you're going to end up all over the place. And it's going to be really, really difficult for you to get back on track. And it's just going to take you a long time. It doesn't mean you can't do it. It just means it's going to take a long time. And what know? does an outline look like? Is that, you know, 10 bullet yeah. points and then, you know, headlines or what does that look like? So, so the most basic form of an outline is essentially the table of contents. Yeah. Like that, that's an outline. Like you start with the title, you understand, uh, like, okay, what's the title of my book? So you can kind of conceptualize it. What, you know, what does the book say? Um, you know, in a sentence or a paragraph. And then what are the sections of the book? So if the book is sort of like, um, you know, how to, how to run your surgical career, then it's like, okay, here's the five things you have to do, right? And then so so there's five, and those are like maybe the five chapters or the five sections of the book. And then under each one, you just keep subdividing sure. like each section. So it's we write a lot of books. A lot most of your audience are basically how-to books. Like they yes. know something and they they can teach it to other people. So all a how-to book is, once you've got the positioning, is explaining it to someone who's interested but doesn't understand uh, any of the process. So what, what are the literal steps you would walk them through? If you use that as your basic framework for an outline, you could do a, a decent skeleton outline in like an hour. Gotcha. And then from there, it's essentially, do you have people, if you were going to teach people to do this on their own, right. would you have them write one chapter at a time? or? Um, it, it depends on the person. So, so what, what we do at Book in a Box is this is what's cool about our process is that we get people, we don't ask people to do any work. Uh, all we do is we do all the work in the background. So it feels like magic. All they do is talk on the phone to us, right? And then we have, we're very structured. We have a very structured set of questions and we know exactly what to ask them, how much to get out of them, et cetera, right? So people can do that on their own. I mean, the reason you pay us is so it only takes you about 12 to 15 hours. You can do it on your own uh, in far, far uh, – it's far more time, but it's far less time than if you were writing on a keyboard, right? So that's the first thing, honestly, I would recommend for most uh, most people. Unless you are a professional writer or you are good at writing or you really like writing, I would argue that you should – once you have your structure, you should essentially talk out your book first. Think of it as 
think of it as like recording a rough draft of your audiobook first. Mm. And then I, I use, we use Rev. Uh, it's like an app on your phone or Rev.com. And Rev, trans, it's like a dollar a minute. They transcribe it. So what you get back is all your ideas. It's spoken. And so it's in very rough form. It's not easy to read. But now you have a rough draft wow. of your ideas. And it's, re- it's much, much easier for most people to edit than it is to write from scratch. And what, you know, what's the average length of a book that someone should have? It's a how-to book, you know, what's too right. long, too short? What's the sweet spot? Uh, we found that the sweet spot is somewhere between 30 and 50,000 words. So it's about half the size of a book you're going to oh. see on a shelf at Barnes & Noble. So it's and, like 130, 160 pages? Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Gotcha. And, so we've actually looked at the data on the Amazon accounts. And, what we, and there's actually other people who've done sort of research on this. What people find is that shorter books are actually way better because uh, people aren't intimidated by them. They'll start them. They'll finish them because they know it's short. And if it's short, usually all the bullshit's stripped out. Yes. So people are like far more engaged instead of like – do you understand why most uh, books – like there's this idea that books need to be like 250 pages or more. Uh-huh. That's because physical retailers like Barnes & Noble wanted big books so that uh, they could put them uh, on the shelf and people could read the spines. Wow. So they could sell books. It's a, it's a requirement of physical retailers, which makes zero sense in an online world because right. you have people who are busy and they, they want to learn something, but they don't want to have to read 300 pages. They want to read 100 pages and they want to get it and get out, right? So what we found is shorter books not just get read more, but they get engaged more, mm. which is what you're looking for, right? You're looking for a result. So you want people to, to not just know the book exists, but to buy it and then actually read it. So right. shorter is better. So once they've once they've recorded it, and how long do you think it takes to record you know, eight to ten chapters or thirty thousand to sixty thousand word book? Our right, our our sort of uh, frame of reference is about eight thousand words an hour. Okay. Uh, right. So that's why, like, with our process, it's about maybe ten to whatever hours of of interviewing. So we get about eighty thousand words, and then we'll cut that down to maybe you know thirty five to fifty because you know when you talk, you're redundant and you uh, you stutter and all that kind of stuff, and so. You cut all that down. And then, um, so I would say to a good 40,000 word book, yeah, you're looking at eight to 10 hours uh, for most people. You know, for a day of recording your voice as opposed to a year. I I would do it all a day. I would, I would break it up to hour to two hour segments because you get exhausted if you talk. Sure, you do. Yeah, of course. Well, just say a day of time total. Um, you know, as opposed to you know a, a, ten months to write a proposal and ten months to to write the book you know whatever it takes, mm-hmm. is there something different about speaking than there is having writer's block? You know, writer's block is a real thing. Even yep. even for the greatest writers, it's a real thing. Let yep. alone if you're not a writer. You know what I mean? So, but there's no such thing as speaker's block. <laughs> no, you can speak all day, and you've got the information in your head, so just speak it out. Exactly. So if someone again, if someone was doing it on their own. And they were recording this out, and it took them, you know, ten hours to record everything. They got their outline. They've done the voice audio. They translated on, uh, transcribed on Rev.com. Um, what's next for someone if they're doing it on their own? So right. So what's going to happen is th- this is a kind. It can be overwhelming for a lot of people, but you can get through it if you break it up into steps. So once you get the transcription back, then it's going to be let's say eighty thousand words, and it's like oh oh my god. So you can hire editors uh, to do this. I. I be careful because if you're hiring a freelance, it's really tough to know quality, right? Yeah. Some people are great. Some people are not. If you're doing it yourself, here's how what we recommend. 
is you go like literally just don't think of it like, oh my God, I've got to edit 80,000 words. Think of it like I need to turn this paragraph into something readable. So don't think of it like you're writing. Don't even actually think of it like you're editing. Think of it like you're translating because you're going to look at the audio transcription. Uh, the, you know, the transcription you get back from Rev or whoever, and it's going to, seriously, you're going to be embarrassed and it's going to read really weird because every, if it, you could get this, this tra- the podcast transcribed and I would look like on the page, like a total retard. Like a and, <laughs> right, exactly. It, it, it's, it, transcriptions read really unusual. So what you need to think in your head is I'm translating my, uh, my transcription into book prose. Yeah. So all the best thing you can do is, Read the paragraph, think, what am I saying in this paragraph? What's my point? And then how can I say it in the smoothest, simplest way possible? Don't try and be fancy. Don't try and use big words. Don't try and use jargon. Just understand I'm trying to say X, so I'm going to write X in the simplest way possible. Be direct and clear and concise with people, and people will love your book. You don't have to be Malcolm Gladwell to write a great nonfiction book. Mm-hmm. Okay. So once you do all the editing and you've got the book complete, the manuscript complete, then what do people need to do? If they're so this is, right, this, is very, this is the difference between self-publishing and professional publishing is what you do next. So there are companies who will, uh, you know, obviously we do it as part of our whole package, of course, but like there are companies who just do this who do just publishing. Uh, like if you have a finished manuscript and you send it to them. Um, we, we do it for some people. We don't advertise it on our site, but like we'll do it for some people if they have a, a good finished manuscript. But there's another company called Mill City Press, I know. Um, there's a company called Blurb also, and they, yep. they both do solid work. Both of them are good. But basically, what you re- here's the components that matter. You need a really nice cover design. Do not skimp on the cover because remember the first when someone's looking online the first thing they see the first piece of information about your book is either your title or your cover so get your title right and spend money on the cover if you're spending less than $500 it's probably going to be terrible you know and i would recommend spending at least 500 and then i would really if you can go the extra mile go to places like dribble or uh, Behance or um, places like that. Or even, I'll tell you, 99designs is actually pretty good. You need to use their $500 and up package, but um, you'll get good designs on 99designs if you pay. Not The lower tier packages don't do very good, but the higher tier ones actually do really well. Pay. Uh, because if you're a professional, you need to signal to the world that you're a professional, and that means you've got to spend a little bit of money. Right. Book cover is super important. Title is super important. So, and those services usually uh, will help you with that. Um, but I would really recommend making sure you manage that process if you're doing this yourself. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so once you so get the professional cover, design, then right. what? Cover's big. Uh, interior layout is another big one. So have you ever like downloaded a book? Oh, oh, actually, hold on. Let me go one step back. Proofreading. I forgot about this because like I assume it, but you can't assume this. Dude. You must get your book copy edited and proofread. Oh my gosh. That was a headache for me. That was like oh, weeks dude. and weeks Isn't of Isn't it the worst? I know it is. Oh, it's my super gosh. stressful because you got to go through all these tedious changes. But dude, that's the difference because every one of your listeners, I'm going to say this and they'll all shake their heads in agreement. As soon as you see a misspelling in a book, you immediately think at least 20% less of the author or the publisher. <laughs> Hopefully you don't think that of me because I'm sure there's a couple of them. <laughs> I mean, but every book has a misspelling or two or some mistake, you know, right. even the greatest here's, books, right? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uh, you, there's a, you're actually right. They've done studies on this. Uh, I know I think HarperCollins did a big one. 
And they uh, had something like 10 professional copy editors recopy edit like a hundred of their best selling books of the last like 20 years. And every single book had an, at least one error in it. Wow. But, but here's the thing. Most, uh, none of the books did all 10 copy editors find an error, right? So if you're, if the errors in your book are so minute that copy editors are missing them, you're fine. The problem is like people like they'll, they'll proof it a couple times, which is like almost worthless because you, you miss, you get, you get script blindness, right? And so then they'll hand it to their wife. And then their best friend who uh, wrote good essays in college, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that's more than enough. No way. You're going to have like 10 or 15 misspellings. You're going to have basic grammar mistakes. You're going to have things in there that signal that you are not, you did not take this seriously. No one expects you to be a grammar expert, but they expect you to pay $200 to go get it proofread and copy edit. Yes. That's hugely important, right? Okay, so you need to do that. Then, obviously, cover designer, those can go at the same time. Then you must, uh, this is a little bit less important, but it is a big signal of professionalism is interior design, interior layout. Like, it, it, have you ever, uh, downloaded a book on Kindle and like you upload, you know, like you start to read it and it's laid out all weird and there's weird yeah. indents and right. That's because those people didn't actually professionally format it. They just uploaded it from Microsoft Word into Amazon and then all these weird characters and all this stuff jumps in there and then everyone knows immediately that you're an amateur. And it's almost like a, you wasted your time, whatever how long it took you to write this book, you wasted it because you yep. didn't take that extra step to make it look good inside. Exactly. Exactly. So you lose credibility. Like it, it, a lot of times what you're earning with your book is not, it's not, people don't judge you just by the knowledge and wisdom in your book. They judge you by all the signals around your book, like your cover, your interior design, the spelling. It's the same as like, think about if someone meets you out, they don't, everyone's like, Oh, you should only judge someone by the content of their character. But who does that? Nobody, right. you know, monks do that. You judge people by, uh, like, are they, uh, dressed well or what yeah. are they dressed like? And their first uh, impression too. It's kind of exactly. like going to a new website. If you see a like? website that horrible design and misspelled, it doesn't matter if they have great information or not. You're here to judge them. Exactly. You judge them, but they're all pieces of information. Yes. What you're wearing. Are you, sh uh, like shaven or not? Are you clean? Uh, what's your handshake like? What do you smell like? Uh, how do you act in conversation? Can you make small talk? These, all these things are pieces of information about you. The same thing is true for books, cover, interior, spelling, all those things. So a couple more things, book description, people like they go, oh, it's just marketing copy. Who cares? But like, think about when you go to an Amazon page, what do you look at? First, you look at the title and cover. Then the thing right next to that on the Amazon page is the description of the book. You get to write that. So take your time and do something awesome there. You know, like really, like look at some really good, uh, T Tim Ferriss's four hour work week's really good. Um, uh, what's another, there's a couple of Tyler Cowan, uh, average, uh, uh, average is over, um, is another good one. Like look at books that have really good book description and just imitate them. Basically the, the best ones make you really, uh, excited to read the book, but don't give quite everything in the book away. They tell you what's in the book. They make it excited. They, they make you understand why the book It's it's same thing as any co copy. Here's the problem. We solve it. Here's kind of how we do it, but we're not telling you everything, so you got to read the book. Right. That's book description. Uh, another one is author photo and author bio. Like what you look like in your author photo yeah. is is a huge piece of information. Like Lewis, you probably had all kinds of professional headshots and all that stuff, didn't so you? So many. 
Of course. <laughs> of course you did because you understand how important that is. Yes. So many people will take like an iPhone selfie and it's oh just my like, gosh. oh my God. Like, and people will judge you based on that. We did they a will. full day, a full day uh, photo shoot inside and outside trying to get with a stylist with everything, with clothes yep. options to get the right photo for the cover and the, uh, the bio, the author but, bio. I'm even looking, we're on Skype right now. I'm looking at your Skype uh, thing. Like every picture of you online is like, Perfect. Like you time. No, and I'm not even making fun of you. That's really smart. You're a public figure and you're like, you know, like if your job is to be in the public eye, then you need to spend five or 10 times as much time as a normal person. But if you're a normal person, you need to spend time on this. Not as much as you, but like time, you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, you gotta look, think of it almost like a dating profile, like mm-hmm. not the exact same, you know, you don't want to look seductive, but you want to look good in, in sort of like your profile pick on, you know, whatever match.com or something or eHarmony, same thing in your author photo. And then your author bio also is a piece of information, especially, especially for people in your audience who are actual authorities in their business, but they don't have a lot of name recognition. Yeah. Then your bio needs to tell the world why we should care about this person. Exactly. Why do you matter? Right. But, but you can't be too braggy. You can't be like, Oh, I, you know, I won the science fair in 10th grade and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like no one cares. My SAT score. No, 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 no. It just needs to very clearly and succinctly explain why you're an expert and why you have credibility. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we've, we've designed it inside and out. Everything looks perfect. It's edited. It's proofread. Thing is complete. Yep. Now, if you're self publishing it, what are the options to, to get it out there? Uh, to market and actually, well, actually publish it and actually physically have it and right. get it in okay. bookstores if you're doing it on your own. Yeah. So uh, there's t- the big thing, honestly, is to get it on Amazon. I, yeah. I would almost say that for eighty percent of authors, if you have it on Amazon, you don't need to worry about anything else. Yeah. Seriously, like iBooks is okay. I, Amazon is, I think, eighty-five percent of the ebook market, and then uh, Nook, iBooks, and Kobo are like. 12% and then there's like a whole bunch of other ones that are like the other 3%. So like uh that's like that's kind of it. You you know what you can use if you're doing this yourself there's a service called Book Baby that's really good and you basically submit the manuscript once and they handle sort of everything, royalties, whatever, all this wow. sort of stuff. They kind of do it all for you and they're a pretty solid service, but the, the the frequently asked questions on Amazon walks you through their process like step by step. It's super 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 easy, um, and anyone and you can pay services like Mill City or Blurb or, or Book Baby. They can do those for you as well. Gotcha. And what about if you wanted to get into the Barnes and Noble? If that's some, something that's yeah, wanted to do, it's not really do not really possible. There's only one kind of way to do that, and and you want to get listed in a database called Ingram. So that's another thing. I didn't go super deep into the details, but if you want to be crazy legit, you need to get an ISBN, which is an international standard book number. It's like the the number that's on the back with the barcode, right? And so uh, if you have that, that means that you actually had to pay whatever, like 50 bucks or something for an ISBN. And, uh, and people like it's a signal of legitimacy, but only to people who like media look at that. And some other people look at it, but most people don't really look at that that much. So that's not a huge deal. But um, you can get those a couple different places. Uh, and then what you do is you get in a database called Ingram and uh, books and print and then Ingram. Ingram is sort of like the big, big book distributor. And if you're in Ingram, then any Barnes & Noble, any bookstore in the world can order your book and can have it there in like a day or two. Uh, so like 
Right. So we obviously for at Book in a Box, all of our authors are on Ingram. Uh, we put them on Amazon. So like what we tell authors is your books will be available to be ordered in bookstores, but they are not going to be sitting on the shelves. Gotcha. So how does someone get them sitting on the shelf? Is that really a big publisher needs to do that or yeah. the retail? Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, constantly. Yeah. So no, no, they, they won't do it requests constantly. Like they just won't. That's just not, it sounds crazy. I know, but you have to understand the book business is uh, just old and antiquated and just a crazy, ridiculous business. Uh, there's only traditional mainstream publishers for the most part can get books into bookstores. Now uh, there are other ways, sort of, but you still kind of have to go through the big publishers. You have to go through what are called distributors. Mm -hmm. And so like some of the big publishers are distributors as well, uh, like Simon & Schuster. So for example, I have a publishing deal with Simon & Schuster. My my publishing company, Lioncrest, um, if we go to them with a book that is big and and they think they'll sell a lot of copies, then they'll go to BNN and try to convince BNN to stock it. And uh, we've gotten a couple books into BNN. I, I, we don't advertise this at Book in a Box because I don't want authors thinking that we can do this as a service because honestly, it doesn't matter how much money you pay us. It's up to BNN whether they stock the book. Yeah. So, so we don't even bring this up uh, to get like expectations askew. We've gotten actually uh, one author. So I, I've gotten a couple others in before Book in a Box just as a consulting gig. Like I helped the, some big authors. Like I helped Hugh Howie figure this out and a couple other people. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got one – we've gotten one of our authors in who um, – she sold a lot of ebooks. And then we went to uh, Simon and then Simon went to BNN. And BNN's like, yeah, we'll stock this. And so we, we, we got her in. But um, you kind of have to have those sorts of connections. Sure. Okay. Um, but honestly, man, being a bookstore doesn't really mean shit. Seriously. Right, right. It, no, it, it doesn't like it, it, it means something to you because like your book is going to be Rodale's like paying for like uh co-op, which means like, like the, for the book to be on the front counter. So like not a lot of people browse bookstores anymore and not a lot of people go to bookstores anymore, but someone like you, it's a big thing for someone like, like who's yeah. going to sell a hundred thousand books in their first month or something. Right. It, it can make a difference for someone at that scale. But like, if you have one copy in like each, even if you have one copy in every BNN, it's going to be tucked away in the corner. No one's going to find it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You know? Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, in the next process, you know, after that, there's a, we could do a whole other episode on marketing, which we did previously. We talked about marketing before in the previous yep. episode, number 78. So I will, I will spare people for that. Uh, you know, there's a whole process to this. And maybe we can do another episode again about after my book launch. Maybe we'll do a recap of all the marketing stuff that I'm that would doing be cool. and building up to. And we can yeah. kind of join forces. No, I know. You're doing that. some cool stuff, man. We talked yeah. about some really cool stuff. I'm excited we, to see. We got some even more stuff that's happening that I haven't shared with you that I'm super pumped about that I'm going to reveal here soon. So uh, I'm excited. But the thing is, what I want to recap this is, is there's a lot of process. There's a lot of steps to this process of planning the book to creating and writing the book and editing the book to publishing and marketing it. And if you're going to do this as yourself, how many hours would you think if you did it on your own and you hired your own people, you're the proofreaders, the editors, the designers, how many months would it take or hours or weeks and how much money would it take to really get a solid book if you did it all on your own? Um, it, it totally depends on the person. Gotcha. But generally speaking, it takes about uh, 1,000 to 1,500 hours to cool. – if, if you do everything on your own, right – it's going to take you a thousand to fifteen hundred hours to write and publish a, a nonfiction book. Wow. Um, 
Now, you can shorten that drastically uh, by buying expertise in various areas, you know, like buying the book cover. Like when I say do everything, I mean everything, right? Uh, but like, you know, spending 500,000 bucks on a book cover takes, you know, a hundred hours off of that or something. Yes. And then like, uh, getting someone to help you with editing or, or proofreading and copy editing, right? That takes another hundred hours off. And then so that you can, I, I think a reasonable person, like someone, your, your standard audience, someone who's fairly successful has done some stuff, has some money. Um, you can expect to spend five, I think five grand is a good budget and spent wisely can take, uh, let's say 1200 hours down to like a hundred to 150 hours. Gotcha. So you, you can reduce it quite a bit, maybe gotcha. 200, 200 hours or something, something like that. So like you're in the hundreds of hours where it's like you're spending, let's say two hours a week for a year. Uh, and you're spending five grand. I think that's a doable thing. And then, gotcha. so, and then we're like the next tier up. We we charge eighteen thousand, and you're spending twelve to fifteen hours on the phone, and we're done in four months. And it's wow. amazing. Yeah. So so twelve to fifteen hours total time on the phone. There's probably some emails back and forth and some other mm-hmm. things. Emails, and then you edit the manuscript if you want. So you can spend a lot of time on that uh, or none. We have authors that go both ways. Gotcha. So essentially, four months from the first phone call to published book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's if you go, if you go quickly, we say four months, five at the outset. Some authors like to take a long longer time, so uh, right. you know we we've got books that are going to take a year, but we only take four to five months. Wow, it's amazing. So if you want a book that's done quick, effective, done well, that looks professional, and you guys do the design, you do the in, you do everything, you do like every, the proofreading, every, the editing, the we layout, even actually the, we actually do some marketing now. We we changed. Package and add that. That's why we increased. We used to be 15. We increased the price to 18 because we've added on some basic marketing. Like we do some, some cool Amazon promotions. So you're going to probably be number one in a, you know, a small, small subcategory. Uh, not like you're not going to be number one in business, but you might be number one in like fashion business or something like right, that, right. you know? And so, uh, we, we do that sort of stuff. We do, uh, a press release and we do, we have a, a deal with, who is it? Book, um, not Book Shout or Book Bub. It's Books Buck Books. Yeah, no, Book Buck Books, and they have okay. like a massive list. I was, I'd never heard of them, and they have a list of like a million people or something crazy like that. And so we do, we have a set promotion with them. So um, we do some basic marketing. If you want advanced marketing, we can either, you know, we can use it. We connect you to PR people or to people like Ryan or someone sure. like that. Um, yeah. So so we do kind of all of that. Now. Okay. Awesome. So for people that are interested, they want to get signed up now. Do you guys take new clients now, or what's what do they yeah. do to get signed up? Is it a what do they have to do? Fill out a form or something? Just go to bookinabox.com, and there's a little uh, sort of uh, like a form thing at the bottom. Fill that out, and one of our author consultants will email you within 24 hours and get on the phone, and we talk through everything. We see we don't actually. Uh, like I, this is the truth. I'm not trying to like be salesy with this. We don't actually take every single person who applies. I was going to ask you that. I, mean, I was going to say, do you take yeah. everyone? Well, because here's the thing. First off, some people are dicks and terrible to work with. <laughs> and so like we, we have a great team and cool employees and I'm not going to like subject them to some horrible person who treats uh, my people like dirt. Uh, right. 18 grand is not enough. Like life is too short. But that's very few, very, very few people. So uh, – but uh, the only type of person we systematically don't take is people who think that like we're ghostwriters or that we'll just do the content for them. We don't do that. We're a service to turn your knowledge and wisdom into a professionally published book. So if you have great ideas, we're going to give you a great book. If you have decent ideas, we'll give you a great looking professional book full of decent ideas. Uh, but if you have no ideas, we can't, we can't do anything. 
Gotcha. So those those people we reject too. We've had a couple of them who's like, what do you mean? Like I have to actually tell you stuff? And it's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not we're not like that's what ghostwriting is, is you pay someone fifty or a hundred grand and they write a book and you're paying them to put your name on it. Exactly. Yep. So there you go, guys. Uh hopefully this was helpful to have you kind of understand the process of writing the book. And again, we're Hopefully, I'll do another episode where we talk about the marketing after my book launch. I'm going to give a whole little breakdown of what we did. Um, during you know what you should have is you should have a bunch of marketing people and have it like a roundtable, like me, Ryan Holiday, like all kinds of cool people. Damn. And we can talk yeah. about all the things that went right, that went wrong, that you could have done different, Ooh. that you did that were genius. That would be fun, man. I, I'm down for that. If you guys want to hear that, maybe a roundtable of uh, a bunch of us, then uh, leave a comment below this uh, blog this post and let me know wherever you're listening to this ad. Just leave a comment below if you do. And uh, again, this has been extremely helpful. Uh, Tucker, we could go on for this for hours. I know you've got uh, so much wisdom in your years of writing and creating books. But well, I'm a professor gives... at the School of Greatness. You Lewis. are a professor, I, man. I You'll come back. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be back to do more lectures. Uh, but hopefully, you know, this made sense for a lot of people. And and I'm looking at, I'm at bookinabox.com right now and I see the process. There's a whole like mapping out. So even if you do this on your own, go check out the site because there's kind of like a little map there you can see on how you want to do this yourself. I'll, you I'll tell you what, Lewis, time- I'll, do this, I'll do this for your audience. I, I have the, you know, we have a book called The Book in a Box Method uh, that details our process in detail. Uh, if someone's listened all the way through, don't put this on your page because I'll get too many people emailing me. Okay. Email me at tucker at bookinabox.com. And I'll send you a PDF of, of the book for free. I, I, I have no problem giving the information away for free. We just charge for the service. That's it. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So if you want to do it on your own, he's got the process. You can go follow it and do it on your own. It's just going to take you a year or whatever. I'll just send you the book for free. No problem. Yeah. There you go. And uh, if you want to learn more about doing it, then fill out the information and do a, a free call and see if it's a right for, for you. Um, but hopefully that's been helpful. And the Here's the thing, guys. It's all about getting to the next level. And if you're here listening right now and you've been thinking for a while that it's time to do a book, I want to do one, but it's a struggle, follow the process. Either get a book from Tucker. Again, it's Tucker at bookinabox.com. Get the book and do it yourself. If you don't have the money to invest in it, then do it yourself. And if you want to accelerate the process, then do a phone call and see if this is the right fit for you because it's powerful to have a book. When I wrote a LinkedIn book that sold like less than 1,000 copies – it made me seven figures over the next year and a half because I became known as the LinkedIn expert with the book. And now there's like 50,000 books on LinkedIn, but I was one of the first people to do it. So it doesn't matter if you, you make this a number one New York Times bestseller. It's about having the credibility and the authority that a book gives you. And it opened the doors for me to be in all these events and conferences. People ask me to speak constantly, do a lot more webinars, and it just opened up incredible opportunities for me. So I highly recommend doing one on your own or just investing in this because it's going to take, you know, four to six months and then you're done and it's professional and you don't have to worry about the stress. So are there any final thoughts, Tucker, about... Dude, that's that's like the greatest commercial for writing a book I've ever heard. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> no, you should be in media, man. You're good at this. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, listen, I, you know, doing it myself... I understand the process. And my first one, it took a lot of time and energy and I did it on my own and, and had made a lot of mistakes, but it still brought me a lot of business. So whether you're going to do it on your own or use Tucker or hire someone for a hundred thousand dollars to write it for you, I just recommend doing one if you want to get to the next level. Um, so that's where I'm at. But 
Tucker, you are awesome. the man. We've gone uh, over an hour now, and I feel like it was 20 minutes. So thank you for, for sharing your wisdom. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a final couple questions that I always ask people. Shoot. Um, I don't know if I asked you this the last time, so I just started doing this probably six months ago. So if there was a, if it's the last day for you in however many years from now, the last day, and all your books have been erased, uh, everything you've ever created has been gone, and you've got a piece of paper and three truths to write down that you know to be true about life, and this is going to be your, the legacy that you leave behind to the world, to your family, to everyone else, signed by you, three lines with three truths, what would you say that would be? I mean, that's hard. That's hard on the moment. All right, so three truths. Um, number one is life is hard, so don't expect something else. So many people think it's not supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be hard, and then you kind of live for the easy parts and try and make your life easier, but it, the default is hard. So life is hard. Don't expect something else is number one. Uh, but number two, I would put um, most of your problems are in your head. Mm. Figure out which ones are and aren't, you know? Like most people – like they're anguished and sad and like all these problems they think they have, most of them are sort of made up, not real problems mm -hmm. uh, or the things that like they're kind of the miseries in their head, you know, not everybody, not all, uh, of course not, but like so much of it is. And then the third, I would say um, it all boils down to the relationships you have with the people you love. Um, and so like uh, almost nothing else matters or no, no, no. Actually, I would say it all boils down to the, the relationship you have with the people you love and the things you do that make the world better. Mm. So that's kind of four. I'm kind of sneaking a fourth one in the third. But yeah. <laughs> it's all good. I like it. I like those three truths. Uh, two final questions. One is what are you most grateful for recently? Uh, man, uh, I married an amazing woman, dude. Like uh, uh, I met an amazing woman and I married her and I, I feel like, I feel like my life sort of has two uh, – it's going to have two segments. It's like before I met my wife and after. Wow. And I got a lot done before I met her. But I feel like she's an amazing woman who's both helped me become better and forced me to become better in a lot of ways. And so uh, I'm grateful not just for her but like everything surrounding that, the family and like all that kind of stuff, um, definitely. And honestly, man, I'm, I'm kind of grateful for like uh, – I don't want to say the company. It's more what the, what we're doing at Book in a Box. Like, I, I hate to sound like a salesman, but this is true. I really feel like, I feel like we are creating a process that's going to unlock a lot of the world's wisdom. Mm -hmm. And, and, and to me, that's like, it's really exciting, man. I'm seeing the books that we're doing and all we're doing, we're just doing the process. But like, I see the wisdom that's coming out of some people's heads and it's like shocking and amazing. And I'm like, wow, that didn't exist. The wisdom existed, but it was locked up in one person's head and now the world can access it. And it's like, that's really cool. And some of these things are relatively small, but you do it like, you know, the Great Wall of China is built by a lot of small bricks put together, you know, and um, it's really exciting to see all this wisdom being unlocked and to start to see the impacts of it is we're only at the very beginning. It's very cool. Love it. Uh, one final question before I ask it, I want to acknowledge you for a moment, Tucker, for, for your friendship. And, you know, a lot of people have different opinions about you, but knowing you for the, the five plus years I've known you, I want to acknowledge you for just being a great friend, man. You've been consistently there. You've consistently shown up and uh, given me tough love, you know, helpful love, um, and you're always open to share 
your wisdom to the world. You've done it for me and you, you, you do it with everyone else through your books, through your businesses, through when you speak. And I want to acknowledge you and, and just say thanks for all that you do, man. Dude, thank you, man. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just glad I can help, dude. It's, yeah. it's, it's cool when you reach the point in your life when you realize that most of the nonsense of your, at least me, I had a lot of nonsense in my youth. You kind of get past that and you start to realize it's sort of like I said, like your question, like the, all, the only thing that matters is what you, the relationships you have with the people you love and the things you do that make the world better. And if you focus on those two things, you're going to have a pretty good life. Yeah. Yeah. Final question. What's your definition of greatness? I, I, I just said it. <laughs> no, seriously. Someone great is someone who has great relationships uh, with the people they love and, and, and vice versa and someone who produces something meaningful for the world. And it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to be like Einstein or whatever, man. If you make something in the world a little bit better, that's fantastic. I mean, there's 7 billion people on earth. If we all make the world a little bit better, that's a crazy level up, you know? Yeah. There you go. Tucker Max, thanks so much for coming on, man. Appreciate you. Thank you, man. Thank you for having me. And there you have it, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and hopefully you got a lot out of it. If you're interested in doing a book, I feel like Tucker has got some great wisdom. Again, having three books on the New York Times bestseller list at once, it's pretty impressive what he's done as an author. But some of us don't have that luxury to really go out there and spend a year or two of writing a book. So make sure to check out uh, lewishouse.com slash 227, and you can see all of the links back to Tucker's information on how to get uh, you know the system that he does and also how to get his free resources so you can do it on your own. Again, lewishouse.com slash 227 to get all the show notes from this episode. Share this with a friend. If you have a friend who's interested in writing a book, share this with them. Tell them to listen to it and download the free resource that Tucker provides as well if they want to do it on their own. I'm so grateful that you guys decided to show up today and listen and tune in. Thank you for sharing it with your friends. Again, lewishouse.com slash 227. Send it to a friend right now. And you guys know what time it is. It's time to go out there and do something great. Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner, where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com. If you're on a GLP-1, you're probably loving the results. But how do you feel? All of those side effects can take a toll. So now what? Get to GNC. We'll help with solutions to address those side effects and keep you going on your journey. GNC. With Capella University's FlexPath Learning Format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've learned the hard way that constantly holding on to your emotions and repeatedly choosing to not talk about your feelings will only make you feel worse and worse. And up until about 10 or 11 years ago, I was afraid to talk about my trauma that I experienced. And I know we all carry around different stressors, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. But therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to fit your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Lewis today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-E-W-I-S. 